Welcome to the No Easy Buckets podcast. I'm Jacob. And I'm Walker. And man, Jacob, we have been trying to do this for a while. Man, it's, it's probably a good five years at least, you know, back in the early college days. Yeah, I mean, we read so much Grantland. We listened to so much Bill Simmons. We listened to so much SVP and Rosillo. I mean, do you think that's really what put us on this track? <laughs> I would say I would say the BS report was, was the... Uh, the beginning factor to getting us into podcasts for sure. And just kind of like that whole collection of ESPN guys uh, is really what kind of got us into it. Yeah, now it's it's blossomed so much. I mean, there's so much ESPN you can listen to. But, I mean, obviously there's stuff like Pardon My Take that, that combines sports and comedy. And, I mean, really there's so many avenues and so many people out there trying to create podcasts. And it's like, hey, why not? Why can't we dream too? Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's really become kind of like uh, – almost like its own social media like community you know it's just like a, a new form a way to consume it it's uh it's kind of odd because it's almost like you're throwing it back 50 years you know with like the radio radio world of like our parents and grandparents but whatever you know what i like it i'm able to choose what i want to listen to when i want to listen to it and you know that's kind of what we're doing here so i agree i mean i have you know i went from a five minute commute recently to like a 45 minute commute so podcasts are pretty much my every day on the way home on the way into work, even if I'm riding with someone, I mean, we always have a podcast going just because you can't really listen to radio because it's the same crap on every single time, and you don't always want to stream Spotify, so it's good to download the podcast on Wi-Fi and play those. No, I agree. I, you know I've got a commute, too. Right. I'm, I'm walking at least like a 30 minutes a day, so it's, you know, it's it's a really cool avenue to get, get our words out there, and that's kind of uh, what uh, what we want to do here. You know, we're, uh, we're looking at... Uh, uh, we're kind of we're kind of going to be all over the place. Uh, we're we're really passionate about the NBA, though. Kind of back, you know, facing the BS report because that's his passion. We you know reading about Grant Land, which was you know basketball focused, but had so many different uh, kind of branches onto it, and it kind of just kind of honestly it, to me, it it really got me to love the NBA more. Like reading those sites and listening to those guys i agree like you said i mean it's a big passion of bill simmons and think about a guy like zach Lowe. i mean he would do those deep dive articles where you we would really learn so much so not only we were learning it we were reading it we were watching it and it's kind of just built from then until now yeah it's it's crazy to see where those guys started now a lot of them are over at the ringer and stuff like that I mean, but, zach Lowe was a, um, a teacher uh, yeah yeah i know right he was dude was making you know you know, about fifty thousand dollars a year, if that. Uh, probably, probably a crappy retirement. No vacation days except for the summer. Now he's like ESPN's highest paid writer. I would say probably one of the top ones. Definitely probably on the, the basketball top side. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely on the basketball side. And if somebody like, yeah, uh, somebody like Mike Wilbon's getting paid more than him or Tony Kornheiser, you know, you it's know just they sad. are though. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Zach, Zach like started now. <laughs> What? I said Zach yeah. wrote a bar stool. Let's just start the rumor here on our pod. Um They're uh they're blowing up, but uh yeah, so uh but kinda what we wanted to get into today, uh, you know, we're like I said, we're passionate about the NBA, both uh both big Grizzlies fans. Uh it's kinda what we look at the playoff picture. Figured we start in the Western Conference, you know, work our way around, just you know, kinda see what uh what it's looking like, you know, after the trade post trade post trade deadline, post all star break is really when it gets into it. It really, you really see teams making moves. You see them going all in or tank or embracing the tank, as you would say. Yep. Trust the process. I mean, so yeah, exactly. Trust the process. You know, rest in peace, Joel Embiid's knee. Side note. But, side note. Cleveland trying to bring the trust the process to the NFL today with that salary dump for picks. <laughs> yeah. Quick, quick. Uh, today in the NFL moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what was that tweet that oh, I retweeted? Yeah, it was a football team ran by a baseball guy made a basketball trade. I mean, that's the best <laughs> exactly. team you've seen in a long time. I mean, that's the like it really it really made my day today at work. And honestly, with the Browns, I wouldn't expect anything less because, at, on, why not? Honestly, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like why? Like flip it. It's basically what the Browns did was they got on Trade Finder like on NBA 2K, yeah, and they 
got an awesome trade like you always do. Like it's inevitable when you get on Trade Finder. So, you know, I can't really fault them because that's the same thing I would have done. Yep. And that's basically I'm. That's how I trained to become a, a GM one day down the road because it's gonna right. happen. Yep. But yep. And uh, there, there we are on our first tangent. Not five minutes into our first podcast, we've already hit our first tangent. Um, but no, we wanted to talk about, like you said, how are how are the how's the West shaping up, and how how have the moves that took place, you know, over the past few weeks, over the trade deadline affected it. And really, wouldn't you say that all this was jump started when Katie joined the Warriors last summer? Yeah, I, that that was kind of a big. Uh, that was a, definitely a big moment. Um, I mean, I didn't see it coming to be honest with Same. you. I, I, yeah, I did. I really thought he was going to resign I just because too. I see. To me, it seems like those guys always do, especially people like him. That it seemed like he was a little homegrown type of guy. But, but you know what? I I hated the move. I'm not a big fan of the Warriors, especially since I live out here in the Bay Area now. Um, everybody is always in your face about it. They do have some passionate fans, but. Uh, now they're just even more fun to hate. I mean, yeah, you have the the most hateable. And you know, this is my opinion. Of course, everything I say is hundred ten percent my opinion here, but it's, it's all it's also fact. Um, Draymond Green is the most hateable player in the NBA, and you know he sh- he should be if in everybody's mind. But now you can just it's now it's even easier. You know, they have three of the top probably like fifteen to twelve players in the league, and it's just not. It's not cool. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that they weren't already going to be the favorites coming into this year. I mean, you could obviously make a case for the Cavs. You could obviously make a case for even the Thunder if he would have re-signed. But, I mean, yeah. overwhelming favorites. I mean, right now, if you look at the standings, they, they were up a little bit more. Obviously, they've dropped the historic pace. Um, as of right now, real time, they're only two games in front of the Spurs. I mean, it took them a little while to get used to KD in their lineup. And, they, man, they really started uh, reaping the benefits of his length out there and his vision on the court, his three-point shooting ability. And then he goes down to injury. Uh, how do you think that that affects them? Do you think they retain the one seed? I think they do. Uh, they actually have a, pre- a game coming up with the Spurs this weekend. Uh, so that will be a pretty good uh, – pretty good test for them and i could actually see them losing that game i could see the i could see the spurs maybe catching them maybe getting a one game lead but i still do think that with the core they have i think they're going to retain the one seed i think it's going to be something that's important to them i think they're really gonna uh kind of kick it in they'll have a couple games there you know steph will probably score 75 <laughs> stupid like that against like the, you know, the, the the nets or something but i mean I, I really do think they'll get the one seed because if you look at it like there's a big – I mean, usually it's not – to seed to seed, it's, it's not too big of a difference. But the, the one seed is going to play a significantly right. less talented team in the first round than, than the two seed. So you're really getting yourself into a gauntlet if you don't get the one seed. I agree, and I think they'll adjust back to playing how they were before KD. I mean, the only big problem is by signing him, you lose a lot of depth. So, you know, so they – they lost the, Bar- right. the Barbosa, and of course, like we mentioned, Bogut. I mean, there's there's just a couple guys right. that they don't have this year, and I think you're really starting to see that. You look at the game um, last night, even against the Celtics. The Celtics put the clamps on them in the second half. They only scored 86 yeah. points at home against Oracle, but they got they only had 17 points off their bench. Um, so even though you know Steph didn't shoot the ball well from three, and Clay had an okay game. Yeah. But, I mean, 17 points from your bench, plus you're already starting Patrick McCall and Zaza Pachulia. I mean, that's just not going to get it done with yeah. the Spurs lurking. No, it's you're, you're really not. And they've seen some some trouble since Durant went down. But, you know, if uh, um, th- that's what my biggest thing was in the offseason. Some people said they thought that their bench got better, and I don't know if that was because, like, they got, like, a rookie in the draft like McCall or, uh, you know, maybe kind of they re-signed Ian Clark, which a lot of people thought was a pretty good third-point guard option. But I, I just never – I didn't really see it, you know, especially with, you know, Iguodala getting a year older and things like that. You're really – you're really – you're testing yourself because, like, as you see, like teams like Cleveland trying to make these moves with buyout players, you've really got to have that bench going for the playoffs because there's going to be a game or two in there where you have, like, a 10-minute stretch where somebody's going to – from the bench unit is going to have to, like – pick up the pace and, and do something and maybe the Warriors if they have the that, those three guys they don't have to worry about that but if if Durant's not 100% you, you get into that territory where you know who else on, who else on that team can can get you on like a you know a 10-2 run 
in like the third quarter like what you know when you know who else is going to do that right no i totally agree i mean it's going to be interesting to see but obviously a good time to transition into the spurs i mean yet again here we are no one really talking about the spurs um again they're 50 and 14 right now two games back at the warriors i mean even in the mvp race uh Kawhi leonard worthy candidate of those you know maybe four to five guys that have separated themselves this year but again no one's really talking about him how, how do they continue to do it i i would honestly my my default is always uh is always greg popovich of it's, course and you know people like people like him and rick carlisle it's like you could give them like a mediocre big east team and they're gonna make the playoffs and it's i don't understand i don't understand it I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me but you know it kind of just happens it's like lock and load and they've got players like jonathan simmons who was a a d-league guy like two years ago right. that they just happened to bring on their summer league team i mean yeah he's kind of guy a, that paid to try out for a d-league team <laughs> yeah it's like this dude was not getting looks from anybody <laughs> and this he might be the like in the crunch time lineup come the playoff <laughs> like this dude might be yeah, in the final I mean, five I, I, here's the an interesting one though it's absolutely crazy how do, you, uh, how do you feel about aldridge there aldridge uh, i used to i'm i'm gonna pre i appreciate the 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 jump shot that's so butter i mean you can't really not you can't really hate that because it's so it's so pure but it seems like to me like since uh especially this past year maybe i don't know if it's losing a defensive guy like duncan but you really he hasn't it seems like he hasn't had the the toughness uh, that he used to have often simmons says oh that's just a good stats on a bad team guy i mean portland was certainly not a bad team when it was aldridge and uh lillard i mean think back to when um you know they beat houston with a lillard shot and chandler parsons face I mean, they were certainly not shot out big time. Uh, they were certainly not a bad team, but he was getting buckets on that team. I mean, you're right. I, his style of play seems to fit with the Spurs, like you mentioned, with, with the butter jump shot with Duncan. But there's just something that's off that doesn't seem like it's a good fit there. And with Pau Gasol there, you know, with his injury trouble, I wonder how that's going to work out in the playoffs. But again, you, you mentioned it first, and it's you default to pop, and you have to think they're going to be right there. Uh, when it comes time yeah right and honestly the Pau Gasol signing I didn't see what that why when you had Aldridge you signed him he's late in his career don't really like his uh what he brings to the table right now and I feel like with with Greg Popovich you could have signed you know you could have just convinced some dude from Creighton to enter the draft early and you could have done the same as Pau Gasol is doing so I don't I don't I don't really know the signing there to pay him all that money but yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, well, what about? I mean, Kawhi Leonard though. I mean, he's just been phenomenal. You can't, you can't not talk about Kawhi Leonard. He's probably should win MVP like two other people, two or three other people. But uh, it's, I, I don't know. He's the because the NBA is usually about stars that like attention that you know are really captivating, and he's like the complete opposite. He's like the top two or three player in the league, but doesn't ever say anything. Yeah, Never. some people are saying now that he is in the top two. It's LeBron and him now. I would say. I mean, I mean it's probably some of that's due to KD's injury because I think KD's a top three player still. But Kawhi's right. right there. I mean, I would say it's just because, I mean, you, obviously an MVP discussion doesn't always look at, like, top players in the league. But I would say he's right. I mean, honestly, I would – I like – I'm more partial to Kawhi than Durant, but you, you really can't. Oh, of course. You really can't say – like it's that exhaustive discussion that everybody likes to get into where they try to rate players and just it's honestly it's you you never know because put Durant on the the war the Spurs they're good you put Kawhi on the 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 Warriors they're they're just as good so yeah I mean but but I, I mean that there's kind of like a we we originally when the season started everybody was like oh there's gonna be a there's gonna be a top two seed gap after that there's gonna be a gap and uh, definitely didn't think Houston was going to be the three seed. Uh, probably would have said the Clippers or, you know, maybe. Uh, we were even high on the Grizzlies yeah. before we knew I what Jim Parsons was going to be. Actually, yeah, I actually, like, wrote up an article for a friend where we were talking about that, and I really thought the Grizzlies would challenge for the, you know, three, uh, three seed at least. I mean, uh, if Chandler's healthy and we're all healthy, I think yeah. that's, like, a no-brainer. No, I, I do too, and I, I actually, like – 
if we would have, uh, if Chandler would have gotten healthier towards the middle of the season, like I thought he was, I, I think we would have had a legit shot because we've played very good against the the Rockets this season. But you know, it's really, I love watching Mike D'Antoni's teams play. It's it's something that's like you're always going to watch them, especially when they're on TV. Um, and and it, this may be the most talented team he's had. I know he had Steve Nash and whatnot, but I mean, James Harden, Ryan in this in this day and age NBA like uh, it, it's a joy and and honestly you love you hate him but you gotta you gotta love uh Patrick Beverly too like the dude is like Tony Allen with a jump I'll shot. never forgive Patrick Beverly for hurting Russell Westbrook in the playoffs for uh trying to jump in there real quick that time when he was trying to make a timeout hey man he's just grinding he's just trying to he's just trying to get his uh, own no but seriously <laughs> I mean that's a team they're six and a half back on the Spurs right now I mean no one really expected this um we talked a little earlier about how some of the moves at the trade deadline affected uh, what was going on. I mean, Lou Williams, how perfect of a signing is that for them? Uh, I would say it's probably, uh, it was probably maybe one of the least talked about trades, but the biggest impact. Like, he's, you, like, I heard someone Talk say. Talk about back, a guy that can win you a playoff game. Right. Like, he said, would you be, this guy said, I saw on Twitter, he said, would you be surprised if, if uh, if you looked up in like game five of a, of a seven game series, it says Lou Will scores the last seventeen points for the Rockets to to bring them to victory in the fourth. It's like, yeah, I could see that. I could see him hitting four threes out of nowhere and just getting super high because that's what Lou Will does. And like it, this is this is this is interesting because if the Rockets end up playing the um, the the Warriors, we talked earlier about the bench issues with the Warriors. I mean, what does a lineup look like for the Warriors that has to go against a lineup for the Rockets that's, you know, Lou Williams and Eric Gordon? I mean, those are two very prolific scorers. How are they going to be able to keep pace with that? I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, because with the, the way that the, the Warriors are structured, you're always going to want to have one of those big three on the court. And, and, right. and maybe they can combat it if you have like a Durant running the second unit if he's back healthy. By the by, the conference finals or whatever, but I still don't know if that's enough because I don't if the the other players around him on that unit if they're going to be able to you know garner enough defensive attention to let Durant do his will. So I think you really that'll be the that could be the deciding factor in the series when you have uh you know a Rockets Warriors series is is that bench that Lou Will Eric Gordon combo you know mixing them together with uh with the Warriors so. Well, Simmons yeah. thinks they could give them a run if they, you know, if they shoot fifty threes a game, which D'Antonio said that's what he wants to average the rest of the year. Um, but I mean, if you make twenty five or thirty threes, I mean, you, I mean, they they have such prolific shooting that's that's not out of the question for them to make twenty five of fifty two threes when it's when it's Harden and Eric Gordon, and Ryan Anderson, and Lou Williams shooting threes. I mean, each of those guys can make seven or eight themselves on a given night. I agree. I think that's kind of how they're going to – that's the only way they probably will win. And I could definitely see a game with 53. That, that's that, – that'd be the best game – that'd be the best series that we've seen in a while, uh, you know, just back and forth like that with the Warriors scores. And, you know, I think that's their formula to win is to, to you know, take a, an outrageous number of three-pointers and then hope that, you know, your bench scores and that your defenders are just better than uh, the Warriors when it comes down to it. So – yeah, I'm on board, man. That's it's going to be interesting, especially if if the Spurs somehow slip up and get the one seed, and we get an early matchup between the Dubs and the Rockets in the second round. That's that's interesting. Yeah, one one can only hope for for that earlier, earlier yeah. than later. But uh, but then the, after after the top three, I mean that's where it kind of gets muddy. Uh, you've got some really talented teams there, of course our our own Memphis Grizzlies. But uh, you know I. I definitely thought that the uh, the Utah Jazz were I would have uh, leaned towards a little fraudulent. I didn't think the hype was real, and I'll admit defeat on that. I didn't think that they would uh, maintain at least a top four, top five seed. Thought they'd be more around seven or eight, but obviously I was wrong. It's a uh, that's a team that's really sustained their success. I mean, they're playing good basketball right now. Yeah, they're they're. It's almost like they're the old Grizzlies. In a way, you know, with a little more shooting, but like it's the way they play. Yeah. They they keep you in the mud. They have a defensive, uh, good defensive unit, and 
they they they're going to keep you in the 85 to 95 point range like they're not going to if if they score 100 points they're probably winning the game but if you don't score 100 yeah. there's no way you're you know that's the only way you can win so it's uh watching Rudy Gobert earlier in the year i mean talk about his i know it's him and Draymond Green and Kawhi possibly for defensive player of the year candidate but Rudy Gobert's rim protection, man, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, we I saw this year, I saw Draymond get the triple double without points. I mean, he he's unreal, but you know that has to do with steals and quickness. But just Rudy Gobert at the rim, he affects everything. Um, whether it's a guy like Marcus Saul who's just as tall as him, trying to put the moves on on the post, um, or someone cutting the basket. I mean, I was just so impressed with how much of an anchor he's become defensively. And, you know, he's got that really arrogant attitude about him, which, um, you know, not a lot of people like, but I, I think that helps him on the defensive end because it frustrates people kind of a little bit like a like a Patrick Beverly type attitude. Yeah, and to have that kind of attitude out of your, your, your like, 7-2 center that uh, can guard everybody, that's, that's, a, that's a luxury. And you're right, he uh, wasn't, wasn't talked about when he first came in the league, but he's really become a defensive anchor and, uh, you know, the thing is with him, he knows who he is. He kind of uh, developed that DeAndre right. Jordan identity, where you know he's not going to be floating around the perimeter when uh, when he's on offense. He's not going to, you know, he's setting picks and he's rolling to the to the hoop. He's 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 not going to get you out of position offensively. He's going to clean it up and flush it when he when he needs to. So uh, you got to respect it. You got to you know you, to be able to acknowledge that and not try to do too much. Yeah, and Gordon Hayward, his first year as an all-star this year. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's big. I mean, interesting summer coming up for them with him being a free agent. I know uh, some of my friends that are big Celtics fans would love Gordon Hayward there, a reunion with uh, Brad Stevens. I know the, the Celtics fans even you know do a little chanting for Gordon Hayward when they're in town. <laughs> but, I mean, even a guy like Rodney Hood, who we were very fond of here in Memphis, unfortunately we didn't end up with him. But, um, I mean, even someone like him, you've got to find – You've got your established player, like a Gordon Hayward, even like a George Hill, who they now have, and you've got your budding superstars, not superstars, but budding players like a Rudy Gobert, like a Rodney Hood, and you put all those pieces together, you bring in a veteran presence like a Joe Johnson. I mean, they've really got the team constructed well, and they're, and they're playing good basketball. I, I agree. I really like the Joe Johnson signing uh, because he's a guy that's been in the playoffs with multiple teams. He's made all-star games. He's taken late game shots been looked at as the number one guy and having him coming off your bench but also you can tell that joe's not like that kobe bryant late in his career type attitude either where he needs the ball he he can come in and and, and play the three or the four you know a small lineup uh type play and then but still make the big shot and that may be what they need because that may they may need somebody like joe johnson to to hit that shot in the fourth that it may be a little bit too too soon for somebody like Gordon Hayward or uh, George Hill to take. So uh, I think he's really a, really yeah, a key sure. piece there. And, uh, you know, they have guys like Trey Lyles off the bench and, and, and uh, Joe oh, yeah. Ingles. Joe Ingles, the Australian, Australian uh, wonder. We call him we call him the church league all-star because <laughs> that's what he looks like exactly. out there. The dude should have been in the three-point contest. He's, like, shooting the lights out. But, of course, no one wants a, <laughs> a lanky Australian white dude in there. So – you know he's no, left, absolutely he's left on the outside looking in, but like I said, you know we uh, we both respect the Jazz. I, to be honest with you, I still don't see them making it uh, much farther than the second round, but that's still enough to be said. Uh, you know it, it'll be it'll take the right matchup for them. Uh, they're going to be a team that's going to take you to six or seven, regardless of who it is. Like even if they play like a Warriors or or a, or a uh, Spurs in the second round, like. They're gonna be a team that takes you the full length. Probably you're gonna you're gonna hate yourself after the series. You're gonna hate it, but that's we're used to that being Grizzlies fans. So, you know that's another team. We'll just talk about Memphis. You know, right now we're we're at the seven. Uh, we're really you know we're kind of t- we're basically like identical with Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, yeah, we don't have the tiebreaker. Right. Though. Yeah, we don't have the tiebreaker. We've let those games slip away when we shouldn't have. Obviously, <laughs> like you can't. That's, those are gonna. That always comes down to. To matter, you know, like it did last year with uh, with some teams, but uh, you know, I really like uh, I really like our potential in a playoff series. Uh, I, I really like what we've done with the team this year, what Fizdale's done. But we both know that 
you're going to have to get some production outside of your core guys that you've always gotten. Like that's the reason we we're hitting the a recent skid is because you don't have that guy that besides Zebo coming off the bench, you don't have that third or fourth guy that's really putting in buckets right now. Think about earlier in the year when we were really playing well, we were really successful. I mean, we're getting really big contributions, really big shots from Vince Carter. Yeah. I mean, there was games when Troy Daniels would would hit four, five, six threes. I mean, think about how well James Ennis played right. earlier in the year. Uh, I mean, it's just it's guys like that, like you mentioned, Z, just Zebo off the bench. Um, you know, isn't really going to get it done. But I agree with you. I, I like Coach Fistel. I'm really happy uh, we got him in. Chris Wallace tells the story. Um, when we were in the interview process, we had it down to a couple candidates, and then out of nowhere, um, we had an opportunity to email, uh, interview Coach Fisdale. And after that interview, he knew that the interview process was over. He wanted him immediately. So I feel like we are lucky. Um, we have to remember he is a first-year head coach. I mean, there's going to be growing pains. I mean, we're seeing those right now. I, don't, I think the skid is both um, a thing to do with the players and the coaching. I think it's an all-around um, issue. But like you said, I like our chances in a playoff series if we can just get some contribution from um, some of our role players. I, I agree. I agree. We've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of good out of uh, Jamichael Green this year. He's been a surprise. I know they're playing with the starting lineup, but I think he'll end up being the starting four for us. Uh, I think somebody like a Vince Carter, which you hate to rely on him um, at this age, but he still keeps surprising people. I think you're gonna you're gonna rely on him to get a big shot here and there. And I think they've the biggest thing that's been my only honestly my only really issue with Dave Fizzo this year besides the Andrew Harrison fiasco, which like don't understand it all like don't understand why he's still on the roster like yeah but of course i'm biased but it's the whole troy daniels thing i feel like it was he started the season not getting any minutes then he was that middle stretch of the season where he's making he's closing the games out against the warriors in oracle where he's he's hitting you know multiple threes in the fourth quarter to now where he's just dropping right to now where he's getting like eight to ten minutes it's almost like a dnp it's like with a shooter, you got to get in. He, you know, I don't, I don't understand what Fizdell's plan is for him. Maybe he knows what he's doing. Maybe he's trying to get other people in the in the fold. But I, that's been my only only problem with Fizdell is uh, his mismanagement of uh, Troy Daniels or, you know, whatever you want to call it, management of him. And you've got to think that rotation is something that's one of the hardest things to get, especially yeah. as a first time head coach with a team you're unfamiliar with. I mean, we've got. A lot of different pieces and a lot of a lot of our role players they all do um, very different things so I could imagine you know like you said he's trying to figure out how to get people in the fold but I mean think back to the game just a few hours ago I mean, we had the Clippers in town who we can talk about them next but uh, he doesn't play Troy Daniels until late in the second half next thing you know you look up and Troy's played 13 minutes and he's hit three or four threes already um, you know, if, if that's in the first half, how does that train change the game? Because really and truly, we were fine through the first half. We were down a little bit, but the difference was we were one of 13 or two of 13 on our threes at one point. And even though we were only shooting 40% from the field, which isn't great, it was clearly because of our three point percentage. If a guy like Troy Daniels, like you said, just get him in early, see what happens. And I think it really would open up. Uh, the playbook. For I, us. I agree. I, I don't really see what we're doing with Andrew Harrison in the starting lineup. Uh, we we know my hatred for that, but I think the the Troy Daniels sliding in there would be interesting because you know you you, you see a lot of teams across the the past few years they'll have a guy in the starting lineup that may not play starter starter minutes. You know, it may be a guy like an Andrew Bogut that depending on the flow of the game he may play. 30 minutes or he may play right. 12 depending on the flow i kind of uh obviously different players there but i kind of like that role for troy daniels because you you put him in the you put him in the starting lineup you let him play with those your main guys and maybe he gets hot early and he does play you know 25 to 30 minutes or he's he's off and you, you just shuffle the lineup from there I, I like that option because i think if you hide somebody like him on the bench that's when you become like you you're like when do i put him in you know, like that's kind of I think what's been happening lately is like he's getting in in the second half for the first time, and it's like, is Fizdale even realizing that he didn't play in the first? Like I, I don't know. 
but like maybe he just maybe he's hiding too much. Maybe he needs to like bite it uh, at David's uh, heels or something. I don't know. But yeah, Verno tweeted a lot up tonight that that I was I would like to see more often. It was Conley, Daniels, Ta, Zebo, and Mark. I mean, I'd like to see that. And really and truly, the only thing we haven't hit on with the Grizzlies is another thing that's really handcuffing David Fisdale is we have a max max level player. It's either on the bench or, you know, he's just battling through injury right now. And I know we're two of the biggest Chandler Parsons fans out yeah. there. We love his game and we love how he fits with our system um, specific to his basketball abilities. Right. I mean, having that secondary ball handler and someone that can, score, you know, score the basketball, can shoot the basketball. I mean, something so crucial that the Grizzlies have been needed. But, you know, when you have... 90 something million dollars invested in a player and he's not healthy and we're not faulting him for that it's just he's coming off an injury and it's going to take time but that does complicate things a good bit you know when another team that's fully healthy i mean they're going to be getting that contribution from that quality of a player um and that's just something that we're having to face with and that's i mean that's a root of a lot of root of a lot of our issues again it's not on chandler it's just it's just due to lack of um healthy players right and i mean chandler's kind of uh when we everybody know everybody that anybody that follows the nba they know chandler parsons personality you know and he doesn't necessarily he's not necessarily the the poster boy for a team like memphis grit and right the grit and grind mentality i do i mean i respect him i know he goes out there and he training and, and he hustles hard but i think that's the biggest hurdle for him is that he's gotten such bad luck with his like basically the Injuries, not necessarily injuries themselves, but like the rehab times in between, and he just gets ridiculed by. Uh, he, I think he's putting a lot of. It's a little unfair. Yeah, I would definitely say it. You know, it you know it rivals an unfair type of situation, and I really, I really feel for him. But uh, you know, I think he's going to turn it around. I think I, honestly, I will till t- we are eliminated from the playoffs. I will probably have this. I will be on Parsons Island, not to be confused with Waiters Island. But I will. My flag Shout will out. be there, saying that he will be a contributing factor in a major playoff win for us or a major playoff game. I really do think that he's going to catch fire at the end or in the playoffs, and he's going to be a reason why we win a game, or he's going to be a reason why we uh, close out a series. I just I, I have that feeling. I, I, maybe it's more of a hope. Maybe it's more of a hometown bias. But but you know that's yeah. It, no, I mean, I agree. I think we really can't judge him, though, like even if he struggles with injury through the rest of the 16-17 season. I mean, he really, we really can't put it all on him until, you know, this, as bad as this is, the 17-18 season. I mean, if, if he comes out and he's just not healthy and, um, you know, not getting it done at the beginning of the 17-18 season, then I think the criticism starts to become fair or we just have to realize the dude's knees are just terrible. But until then... I think we owe it to him uh, to, to sympathize with him, although it's frustrating. And although sometimes, you know, it's not seeing some of the social media, which we know that he shut it down, can be a frustrating when he's going through tough times. Um, I'm with you, man. I still, I'm going to hold out as long as I can, just like I did with Troy Daniels early in the year when no one liked him. Then he started dropping in bombs. Hopefully Chandler does the same thing in exactly. the playoffs. Exactly. And I was, I was on the on board with him doubling down on social media instead of going on a hiatus. I think he should have started posting more, <laughs> or just you know I don't know maybe that would have got him out of it. But but yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll casually make a transition to the uh, beloved <laughs> beloved L.A. Clippers, who everybody is a fan of. Obviously, they uh, they're probably the most upstanding <laughs> team in the league. They don't ever complain. They're I mean, people honestly confuse them when they wear their black jerseys like they did tonight. People confuse them with the Spurs. They do. So. Uh, but but obviously obviously a, a little sarcasm there, uh, but um, I mean they've had their own injury problems this year. You know with Blake and Chris Paul, uh, you know they they've they haven't had an easy go of it either. But they're hanging tough. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to give them some praise, but I mean obviously they have super talented. I mean starting five. I mean Chris Paul obviously is good of a point guard all-around point guard as there is in the NBA. Um, of course, J.J. Redick, one of the most smooth and pure shooters we have in the league. Um, and you could just go down the line. I mean, someone like a Blake and DeAndre, what a, what a front court. But, you know, for me, for them, it just comes down to can they close out playoff games. Right. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, there was the Rocket Series uh, in the past. I mean, I, I just I'm, I'm trying to think back in my mind, and I know they've gotten big playoff wins, um, but that that's just what it seems like to me. Do they have the mental fortitude um, to close out a series in San Antonio? Um, you know, can they go into San Antonio on a game seven? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that 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 team has that mental fortitude. Right. I mean, those are questions you've had for the past like two or three years with the Clippers and always with a Chris Paul led team is, you know, one is Luke Richard Mbamute. Is he alive? Is he like, what does he do <laughs> along with the legitimate question? Like, like, uh, you know, like you said, like what they're, they have a great starting five or a great starting four and uh, like, <laughs> but they can't play all their minutes. And I don't know. Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford. Yeah. <laughs> like Jim, you have the, the rank, well, we got we got coached by Austin Rivers tonight, right? So. That which I was a I was early on the Austin Rivers hate train. He was up there with like Draymond Green, <laughs> yeah. Andrew Harris. Andrew Harris. <laughs> of course, I mean I hated him at Kentucky too, but uh, but I mean Austin Rivers has legitimately like I think he actually signed a contract with the Clippers in the off season. But if he was an upcoming free agent, the dude's getting paid. Like he's 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 filling it up. He's a legitimate backup point guard on a playoff team. Um, he's athletic. He can shoot. I mean, I, they've got some bench players there. I actually like their bench better this year than in years past, you know, with most space. Johnson. I even like Raymond Felton because the dude just like doesn't go away. The dude's going to hit a three pointer when you're like, uh, you know, down by one. Yeah, that's the nine or 10 guys deep though. Yeah. When's the last time we said the Clippers were nine or 10 Never. guys deep? <laughs> I, that, yeah. they've, they've legitimately, so maybe maybe that's it. Maybe the playoffs this year they will have answers because they'll be able to that's, get solid contributions from the bench. Right. Is that the wild card that no one – it's weird that no one's talking about the Clippers, but maybe this is the year that they sneak past. Yeah. Maybe, you know, let's say if it ends today, they're playing that first-round series versus Utah, which is – honestly, yeah. that's a seven-game series without a doubt. That's a seven-game series. Uh, game seven would be in Utah. I'd take the Clippers to win that series. Not a fan of them. I, I think I would. I would too. I I would too. You know, whether it's six or seven, I'm taking the Clippers to win that series. And I think it may be the bench in their in their in their experience that comes in because these do, guys do have a ton of playoff experience. They have been there. They've done it. They've had the heartbreak. You've got guys on contract years like like Blake Griffin. Uh, Doc Rivers already won a yeah, title. Yeah, Doc Rivers already won a title. You know, best GM in the league, Doc Rivers, self-proclaimed. <laughs> shout out. Shout out. But, I mean, they're, uh, like you said, they, you can say it over and over again. They've got the, the best starting, one of the best starting groups in the league. But after that, it's always up for question. And they can be deeper this year, but is, are they going to play when it matters? So, I think that's, uh, you know, them uh, them, and uh, you also a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder who – we know all know who their best player is. Their their the rest of their <laughs> roster has some major questions too. Andre Roberson. <laughs> Andre Roberson is like an early Luke Richard and Bob Mute. Like he is he wants that. He's a poor man's Pablo Suflo. Like if, if you were to tell me that in the year twenty twenty eight that Andre Roberson is starting <laughs> for the Boston <laughs> Celtics. And Jalen Brown is MVP. Like I would, I would believe it. And Bra- obviously, Brad Stevens is like five-time reigning coach of the year. But no, nah, he's the president <laughs> by then, bro. Well, we can only he's the we president. Can only, the we can only hope that he's the president. Maybe in forty. Fake news. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, like we, what are the questions there with Oklahoma City? I actually. Before this, uh, I mean, I would say it was 1A, 1B with Lou Williams trade and the Doug McDermott, Taj Gibson trade. Because even though it was like not big name players that, that you know have contributed a lot over their career, I really liked what McDermott added to that team and also a, an experienced player like Gibson you know, to that second unit or however they chose to use him. I really like the capabilities there, but they've actually been struggling a lot since the, since the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, even Russ. What was it last yeah. night or two nights ago that he went for? That he went for was it fifty eight? But it was still in a loss. Right. Uh, that's so that's interesting. I think they win around seventy percent of their games where he averages a triple double, uh, and you've got to think that's because he gets his teammates involved. And the night he had fifty something, he didn't have a triple double, much less. I don't even think he had ten assists that night. So um, yeah. 
again, I mean, so much of our conversations have been going back to your bench, to your depth, to your role players. Are they contributing? And it doesn't matter how good your best player is. We know when the playoffs come around, you can stop anything you want to stop, and you have to have a second option. We've seen it in the past. With the Thunder teams, with OKC, if it's been Kevin Durant that's been hurt, they would shut down Russell Westbrook. I mean, whatever it is, I mean they they I don't I don't see them getting out of their first round series, I and I don't I don't think it's. Very I agree, close. and you know, looking at what they did tonight, uh, strangely enough, they they pulled out the win versus the Spurs. So you never know, like you're going to lose games to the Suns. And then you're going to beat the Spurs, but it's obviously you know uh, the Spurs like to like to take take it easy every now and then. But Cantor is back for the uh, the Thunder, and that is a player that not a, not wasn't a huge fan of him early in his career. But the guy the guy play, embraced that bench role in OKC, which I didn't think he would. And him and McDermott coming off the bench, if they can somehow, I mean, I, I know Westbrook never comes out, so you don't really have to worry about a secondary ball handler. But if they can get some slight contributions out of those guys. I could see them taking, like, obviously right now, if it went chalk, it's it's Oklahoma City and Houston. I'm not taking them to beat Houston, but there's going to be, like, a game two or a game three. Like, I could see, actually, a game two in Houston where Westbrook goes insane and the bench players click, and you're 1-1 going into Oklahoma City, and it, everybody's talking about Russell Westbrook. Obviously, they still lose that series, but that's the narrative, you know, that I could see happening. Yeah, I mean, look at the look at the uh, got the box score yeah. pulled up from this game against the Spurs. Like you said, I mean, Russ only scored twenty three points tonight, yeah. and they beat the Spurs by ten. I mean, he his plus minus was twelve plus twelve, but he had you know twenty three points on seven of twenty one shooting, one of six from three. So he actually didn't shoot the ball well at all. Um, he shot the ball well from the line, but he had uh, thirteen boards and thirteen yeah. assists. Uh, so I mean that's that's really what it's all about. I mean Victor Oladipo three or four from three, eighteen or fourteen from the field. I mean look at Stephen Adams five of eight. Even our even our uh, first team uh, all defense Andre Roberson three or four. So if Russ is getting these guys involved, you mentioned McDermott, you mentioned Cancer, both have nice games from the bench. I mean that's that's what it's going to take. I just don't think that they can solidify that over seven game series. But no, that, that's I, certainly the formula. For them. I, I don't think so either. I, I think their their uh, their ceiling is uh, a highly contested, exciting first round, and that's uh, pretty much yeah. Because I don't see them getting above the sixth seed. I think us uh, Oklahoma City and Memphis are going to be flip flopping right there. Um, you know, I, honestly, I want us to get that sixth seed because I definitely don't want to play San Antonio in the first round. I like our chances versus Houston so much better. So we'll we'll see. It's going to be down to the end. Uh, hopefully, that tiebreaker scenario doesn't come to come to terms or come to fruition. You know, but it, honestly, it probably will. It's going to bite us in the ass. So uh, it's it's one of those things. And honestly, I kind of want to throw a curveball here on you. I know we didn't talk about this, but no one really cares about the Denver Nuggets. I really like their roster. They're cool. They're not going to win a game versus whoever is the one seed. So I kind of want to transition yeah, as a quick right, sweep. a quick sweep. You know, you may have that like last second shot by Steph Curry, like they did against the the Pelicans a couple years ago, Pelican, right? Yep. But I wanted to just like kind of close us out here talking about the wet, like the rest of the West, uh, kind of the bottom feeders that are going into the lottery. Because really quick, I know that uh, we both, uh, you know, being from the Southeast, you know, uh, know a bunch of Pelicans fans. Actually, that's a lie. No one's a Pelicans fan. <laughs> I wanted to give them a slight shout out there. You got obviously. I think they made the move. In my opinion, they made the move to to make the playoffs this year with Boogie. I think they thought they could do it because it was right there. I don't see it happening. And right now, they've got to decide if they want to jump down it because that pick that they sent to Sacramento is is top three protected, or a top five or top three protected. And if you add a lottery pick, if you add a top five pick to Boogie and Anthony Davis in this year's draft. I think it's interesting. I think it's I think it's definitely something to look at and you know you got a like a big conglomerate of just crap down here at the bottom of the west. So it's <laughs> well I mean Lakers no I mean no one's really you know, obviously the most yeah. one of the top two most storied franchises of all time. I mean they're headed, you know, for a top pick. That's just kind of sad. The Suns are literally horrible. Yeah. Um you'd mentioned the Pelicans. I mean even as as good of a player as as Boogie is and Anthony Davis is, I mean they don't have enough to make the playoffs. Um, I really don't think the Kings have an interest in making the playoffs. I think they're tanking. 
Um, so really that only leaves the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Mavs, and the Wolves yeah. um, that I feel like really want to make the playoffs. I don't think the Wolves have it I in them. I know Ricky Rubio has been playing really well lately, yeah. um, especially this past month. I know Tibbs has been really high on him. Obviously, Towns and Wiggins, they definitely have a great roster that we love, someone like a Shabazz Muhammad off the bench. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I love the Nuggets. I love Jokic. Um, I like what they what they've done. Um, you wish that Moutier would be a little bit better, but it looks like it's given Jamal Murray a chance to, to shine a little bit more. Um, you've always got to worry about the Blazers with Lillard and McCollum. Um, obviously, Allen Crabb off the bench. I don't see them winning a series, even sniffing it, uh, similar to the Nuggets. And the Mavs, I mean, obviously you've got Dirk, you've got Harrison Barnes, who's been really good this year, and uh, Indiana's finest Yogi Ferrell there at point guard. But I think I'm, I think I'm with you. I, I think the Nuggets will be the team that eventually ends up in the eighth seed. And well, that means they're still there. So I think that's where they'll stay yeah. for the rest of the season. I agree. I think the Nuggets are, are gonna. They have a. They have enough youth. Like they have enough talented youth right now that they'll fool them. You know, they'll get excited about a playoff run. Um, I, selfishly, I think the Minnesota Golden State first round series would be would be beautiful. They're actually playing each other tomorrow, but you know, if, if, if that first round series, they're legitimately Durant might not be healthy or back at all for that. And them versus a surging wolves team, they're not, they're not going to lose the wolves, you know, in a series, but it would be captivating at least. And I actually think that, uh, the biggest threat to Denver though is Dallas because that just, you just, I don't, you can't count them out. Like they're just, they're there. You know, they, they beat us last night. They've, they've been beating everybody. They've been beating great, you know, playoff teams that are headed for the playoffs. So I, I really think uh, Dallas or Denver is going to be there. Uh, and, you know, that'll, they're, they're fighting for the right to get swept by uh, Golden State. I mean, I, lo- I love Noel. I love Noel in Dallas now. I mean, I think that's a good move for them. I think he brings a good, yeah. brings a good new just – yeah. Uh, just function to their team, a new athleticism, a yeah. uh, new threat, both on the offensive and the defensive end. So hopefully yeah. someone who I think is really talented and didn't really get a chance to show it in Philadelphia can blossom there. Right, and they have the ability to match his uh, restricted free agent contract that he's going to get this offseason. Right. You know, and it'll probably be like the, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, will, it'll try to pay him like $75 million and they'll get, they'll get matched. <laughs> uh, but – that's a, I, I like the trade initially uh, for the Sixers a little more because I'm a Justin Anderson fan or a po- Trent, slash same. apologist, whatever you want to say right now. Um, but uh, when I found out that it wasn't a uh, outright first-round pick, took it a little off of me. I, I'm still a fan of Anderson, but I, I think that the Sixers should have held out for a better deal or waited to the offseason or shipped probably should have shipped out Nerlens earlier than the trade deadline. But hindsight, twenty twenty, you know they're not being run by Sam Hinkie anymore. So that's that's what I was gonna say. It could be worse. It could be worse. It could Uh, be Vivek and Vladi Divac. So. All right, guys, we've uh, been experiencing a few technical difficulties as we wrapped it up. Of course, Um, uh, Walker, uh, uh, one of our Wi-Fi connections is a little down, but I'm gonna wrap it up here, guys. be looking for a lot more from us. Uh, like I said, this is our first episode. We're really looking uh, looking forward to just sharing uh, sharing our thoughts. Uh, today was a little technical, a little a uh, little breaking down the the West. So we're going to look into the Eastern Conference next week and the, and who see uh, who's going to try to challenge LeBron before they get to the finals. Um, uh, but we will also have some more lighthearted podcasts where we'll do a little. Uh, do a little, uh, you know, pop culture or uh, a little, you know, around the NBA kind of ringer slash Grantland type, uh, type, uh, you know, rundowns. So uh, not just always breaking down what's going on in the NBA. So take a look back for us. We'll be back. See ya. Cause I feel great, I don't
Uh, dude. 